Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're tonight's entertainment. Take me to the volcano! It's really called this. You have to ask for the vinegar with the mother in it. Oh, come on. Quit I need, no. Seriously. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond, I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to Ready to Unload, episode number 126, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It is the Ready to Unload radio program slash podcast. It is January 31st, 2013. The time is 9.30 p.m. It is Thursday. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, RTU, also known as. And uh, welcome to the program. We have a huge uh, show. Big, big show. It's going to be very exciting. We have a lot to talk about. The Super Bowl is this weekend. What? Never heard of it. That small little game that they're playing. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to that. We're also going to talk about uh, a couple of the underlying stories that go into the Super Bowl. So we're not going to talk about the game as much because everybody talks about the game. Everybody has talked about it. X's, O's, and whatnot. We're going to talk about a little Ray Lewis. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the underlying theme here with concussions. There was a great ar- article on NorthJersey.com by Jeff Roberts um, about uh, former Jets and Giants and, and what NFL players are playing. The pain. We're going to talk about this. This is like a really interesting topic. Would you let your kids – am I going to let Wesley play football? I don't know. The NFL is going to have to change. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about the PED scandal and the A-Rod. And do we care? And then I have something really interesting that I want to put to Cal about PEDs and football and baseball. And then we're also going to talk about Cal's little trip to City Field last night with the season ticket holders to talk to the Mets front office. Can you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? Cal was there with the with the with the brain trust for the Metropolitans. I mean, it's there's we're chock full of, and then PJ's going to be here. We're going to talk about the fun load. We're going to talk about uh, uh, the traditions for the Super Bowl. Our tradition for the Super Bowl is doing a show about our traditions for the Super Bowl. So we're going to do that. It's going to be awesome. 
going to be awesome. I should do this, though. We're going to do this. Next episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Okay. So there. Now you know it. Now we can bring in the co-host of the program. I, I of Cal. Course, am, am the Sam Pete uh, part of the program. This guy's the Cal part of the program. He's uh, my partner in crime, my partner in rhyme, my partner in all things sporting and sublime. Cal's He can predict the future. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brian Calniva Calpino Caliente. He's a so hot. Hello, Brian. Hi, Steve. That was like an old school uh, podcast intro. That, yeah. I'm exhausted. Well, I mean, it took 20 minutes, so. <laughs> Dude, you made me snarf with I'm, my, uh, you can't do that. I apologize for that. Yeah, that's that's uncool. You made how's, me snarf. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good, man. Yeah? How do I sound right now? You uh, sound uh, fine. You good. sound just fine. Good. Uh, I'm trying to uh, FaceTime you, Bri, on your phone. So maybe we could do that so we could see each other. For those of you who don't know, we're doing the program, we FaceTime because we're in we're in separate parts of the world. You know, so let's do it on the phone. There it is. Wow. There we are. How are you, buddy? What's going on? Last week we were live. This is now we're back to old school podcasting. You know, what what happened? What Oh, I have to call you back. Okay. We lost count. Hell. All right. We're off to a great start. Hey, Peach, way to vamp. Way to, way to, way to vamp there, Peach. Good job. That is that better. Here is uh, here is uh, the big guy, PJ, pop culture type of the pop culture variety by force. Always Hi, ready Peach. with a witticism and a quick story. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary for his ability to vamp. Uh, and to improv, did you study? You studied improv, didn't you? Were you a Del Close guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. end. That's that's exactly. from, from Yes, end, right? I, there's there's no there's no uh, greater killer than someone who just gives that <laughs> that quick answer. Yes, yes, <laughs> sure, totally. I I, so, I loved her. Wait a minute. So your experience Del- at improv? Yeah. Yes. 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 And. Uh, Yes, and <laughs> you know On a somebody. Great many topics, I can be uh, hilarious. You know, somebody really knows a lot about improv. When you're like, "Oh, you a Del Close? You know, you, you're from that school or whatever," and they're like, "I love her." Like, yeah, <laughs> right. I went to improv underpants uh, when <laughs> I was in Chicago. <laughs> this is improv groups. Uh, Cal, are you back? By the way, I think I am. All right. Uh, hey. what's, what's improv underpants? <laughs> yeah, please do explain. <laughs> we we were the guys who were just a little bit too hip for the room, right? Uh, so we started our own thing. Okay, we did a coffee house type thing. You know, we did it in sure. the back of the room. Sure, sure. And we improv you know. underpants, worst name <laughs> ever. What? Improv underpants. The name itself, uh, it, it was uh, it was hilarious. People would laugh right there. I I, I just don't. Okay, improv underpants. That's sure. a, boy, boy oh boy. Okay. 
I <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's uh, you know, Apple products do not allow you to multitask apparently. Uh, yeah, but I could you could totally uh FaceTime on your phone if you're Skyping cat boy, this is really good podcasting right now. It's really good radio. Yeah. We can fix this. We can fix this in post. It's fine. The cows can tape something by now. He doesn't <laughs> get it. He's never going to get it. Try that. Try to plug into your VCR and see if we could see you better. Go Somehow, through the two front ports. Cal's VCR is still flashing 12. In my beta Yellow max? hole means video. In beta max. Nice. Oh, beta was hot. You know who had beta? Uncle Tommy. At the forefront, he had a beta max player. And I'll never. He had Star Wars. He was like legendary. He had Star Wars. Top loader or front loader? Top. Nice. Top loader, which means <laughs> the great thing about a top loader was you can only put it certain places. Obviously, right? It had to, it had to be on top of everything. <laughs> it had to be. At the, it had to be at the in the highest point in the room. Right. <laughs> you had it like on top of a bookcase or something. But he had Star Wars. He was that uh, instantly. You know, that was the first time you could watch Star Wars on a TV. Like, what was I, 10, maybe? Right. Nine? Before before then, you had to go out and get the 16-millimeter print. Wait for it. <laughs> reel to reel. <laughs> yeah, nobody was doing that. Cal, how are you? I'm good. I, I'm good. PJ just uh, really vamped the crap out of the show. I mean, he, he killed it. I'll bet he did. Yeah. I, I would not be... You're a Second City guy, Peach? Uh, no, I was asked to leave Second City. Right. <laughs> and to go start the Third City on my own. And you know, to we, let them know when I had done it. We talked last week during the show about how bad, um, you know, certain comedy clubs, like, have the, just the, the the worst names. You know, like, uh, Piss Yourself or whatever it was. Yeah, I'll be playing Piss Your Pants in uh, Des Moines. Um you can make the case about you can make the argument about improv troops. Oh my goodness, did I see some poorly named improv troops in Los Angeles? Like every variety of the word improv. The assorted nuts. <laughs> Just the worst name. And everybody had a sketch comedy group or an improv group. I mean, I was in L.A. like during the Bang, you know. And just some of the names. Oh, my goodness. Just not good. Like what? Can you think of any? I, You know, there was like the, the improv nut, nut bags. Improvnation? Like Improvnate, like anything you could do on the word improv, improvisation or improv, there was. Like simply improv, simprovs. Imperfection. In- oh, <laughs> look what they did! <laughs> They're great. The improvements. Like, oh my god! <laughs> it's just so Cal. Think of anything you could do with improv, and that was your sketch group. I'm gonna need somebody to name something you buy at a grocery store. Just something. Okay, something. six six people <laughs> that you I had a lettuce. Six famous people you want to have dinner with. <laughs> okay, go. Okay. There's, there's the. I used to, I did a little improv with a group called the Improviders. See, there you go. Oh my goodness. Um, God. and uh, they used to do the long form Harold. Do you know what a, Do you know what a Harold is, Cal? I don't. 
Pete, you know what the Herald is, right? I'm not sure I do. <laughs> okay. Is it like Harold and Maud? No. Not not <laughs> But that was good improv. See what you did Harold there? and the Purple Crayon? Nothing you went like yes that. you went yes end. That was very good. Okay. Uh the uh, uh, the Harold is a long form. There are many different forms of it, but it's long. It's a long form improv. You, you would have like three parts, and I, I and I and again, I may be screwing this up, and somebody will yell at me. But Del Close uh, in Chicago, or whatever, with the the improv, um, sort of perfected the Harold. And it's it's exactly that. Like the first part is this game. It's like but it all ties together. It's a long-form improv. And some, oh, I some, feel like I could do it now. So, yeah, I really explained it beautifully, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> this, is, this is the Harold, you say? What, <laughs> well, what a I mean, great tutorial. How do you, how do you, you just, you know all about it now, right? Yeah. Is it as long as this explanation? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, yes. You bastard. <laughs> the Harold. Here you go. The Harold improvisation is a structure used in long-form theatrical improvisation developed by Del Close and brought to fruition through Close's collaboration with... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I'm, I'm no improv understanding what you're talking about. It's a long-form improv. What do you... Come on. So we used to do those, and they're really they're, when it's done really well, it's pretty fantastic. Is it hard? It's hard to do well, though, isn't it? It is really hard to do well. Yeah, I've seen it done quite poorly. Not as poorly as the explanation of the Harold that I just gave. <laughs> Cal, how are you? I'm good. Okay, how's the family? We're doing well. I'm on uh, Mr. Mom duty tonight. Yeah, I saw you've got a you've got. Nice little control center rigged up over there. That's a uh, one of those. That's a movie now. That means way more to me, Mr. Mom. You were you were saying that last week. Yeah, that's. I, I was I, in in light of that. I was trying to think of movies like that this week because I was talking more with uh, uh, my cousin Michelle. We were talking about. We were doing a little post mortem on the show last week. We should get her back on. She's would good, she, right? Would she come back on or no? She would, yeah, she definitely would. I think she definitely would. She was. Uh, we forgot to mention to you know or thank uh, Bobby Ben for those yearbooks. I looked through some of those Islander yearbooks. They're amazing. Fun, right? They're, reminisce. It's fun. It's like walking through the park and reminiscing. Hurry, don't be late. Um. Uh. Let's. We have a ton to talk about. Do you want to just go right to the big unload? Sure. Well, why don't you tell me how you're doing first? I'm doing. I'm like. I'm. I'm great. Like I said, I'm on. I'm on uh, Mr. Mom duty tonight. We had a good time with it. You know, we got a story in. Uh, you know, the little emperor got to, got to sleep in good shape. <laughs> you know, nothing on fire. We did good. Good. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm. I'm doing great. Everything's good. I'm not. I'm in a weird place with sports, Cal. Well. The, this sounds like something we need to discuss. I left you speechless. I am in it. That article, and we're going to talk about it uh, in in depth. That article by Jeff Roberts, who we tried to get on the program. But we should mention that too. We we have a uh, 
a friend of ours, a friend of the program, is now trying to help us like book people, and uh, he's fantastic, Frank, Frankie Girardi. I mean, doesn't he sound like he belongs working with us here on Ready to Unload? Frankie Girardi joins Steve San Pietro, Brian Calvi, and PJ Cajopo. Hey. This podcast is getting us so good. It's so nice, this podcast. I tell you that, Brian. <laughs> uh, so anyway, thank you to Frankie. He, he tried to get Jeff Roberts. I'm in a weird place with sports, though. I'll be completely honest with you. Because the Super Bowl is this weekend. Um, just had the most tumultuous season of all. Well, we should play. We should do this. We should do this. Shut up! You know. So this is the big unload, right? Yeah, That's what you're about to do? I'm ready to do it. Let's do this. All right, good. Okay. The big unload tonight is brought to you by Fat. The film. The movie. By our buddy Mark Finney. You know why, Cal? Because he's almost done with it. Yeah, he's almost done editing it. He's almost done with it. Go to uh, Facebook. When you're on Facebook, check out Fat the Movie. Search for that. Go like the page. You can see a teaser trailer there. I, I mean, I, I think this thing's going to be really good. I really do. We've been following the progress for quite some time now. You, you, we had Finney on the show like in like May. Yeah, it's almost a year ago. Yeah, it's, and uh, uh, our, again, it's our buddy Mark Finney. Uh, it's his film called Fat the Movie. Uh, and it, uh, he's got a teaser trailer up for it now. Go to Facebook and search Fat the Movie. That's F-A-T, not P-H-A-T. Not Chris Tucker. <laughs> Corbin, I'm so scared. That's my favorite, Chris. I can't say the name Chris Tucker without doing... Okay, Corbin! I'm so scared. <laughs> that's, a good Chris, that's a good Chris Tucker. He's He's fantastic in that movie. He's really, really good. All I was saying before, we can get to this in the fun load, was I've been trying to think of movies that uh, hit me differently now, uh, either as a parent or in my late 30s or whatever, than they did uh, in in my 20s. Like, I've, I've taken on a completely different meaning. We can talk about that in the fun load. Okay. Yeah, is that a Super Bowl tradition, though? That is a Super Bowl tradition. I now do that every year. <laughs> you, you take stock in what movies mean different things to you as you're getting older. Right. Every year. Do you do that during the pregame? It's about 3.30. Usually. About, about 3.45. So about midway through the pregame. Yeah. The the six or the seven-hour pregame. You got your uh, your wings there. All right. Got your nachos. And then I go deep inside what movies are completely different to me emotionally. Than they were uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Um, no, but ba- so uh, Super Bowl week. I'm in a weird place. Just had the strangest, most difficult uh, rooting year of my life with the Jets. Uh, I don't know what to make of this team. Uh, with when it comes to the Jets, we've talked about the Jets a ton or whatever. They're not the story here. The story is. Then I read this article by Jeff Roberts about Wesley Walker, Bruce Harper. Uh, Brad Benson, some ex-Jets and Giants, uh, and the pain and suffering that... Altoon. Altoon as well, sure. 
but th- this story really highlights Wes- Wesley Walker and, and, and Bruce Hawk. Right. And the pain and suffering that these ex-players that I grew up loving, Wesley Walker was my favorite player. Uh, one of my first favorite players in sports uh, from any team. And gosh, Brian, it was just such a disturbing article. And I want to I want to talk about it, and I want to put it in context of, or tie it into that hit on Stephen Ridley in the AFC Championship game that really turned the tide on the game uh, by Bernard Pollard. And it wasn't necessarily all Bernard Pollard's fault because Stephen Ridley sort of instigated that collision. Uh, it wasn't to me that wasn't like a James Harrison blow up hit, Cal. Right. But it was such a violent hit. He went numb. Uh, you know, he went limp on the field. Stephen Ridley immediately went down. And after the game, you know, uh, John Harbaugh said that was the turning point. Great football. That's what it's all about. You know, that changed the game for us. And that's a great hit. And that's what football is all about. And so within that context, look, I don't want to. I don't want to raid on the parade, but this article was so disturbing to me. And it brought up emotions in me, Bri, about watching football now, watching the NFL, knowing about all these lawsuits and concussions and, and uh, uh, the, the damage that players uh, uh, in the past have done to themselves and CTE and you know degenerative brain uh, uh, diseases. Uh, uh, or de- degenerative brain situations, and then you know thinking about Junior Seau and thinking about uh, Dave Duerson and and, all, and and knowing that the lawsuits that the NFL has pending against it. So I really want to talk about this tonight because that article really opened my eyes. I met Wesley Walker at a Jet event like six or seven years ago, and it was such a thrill for me because I was such a huge fan. And he was a, such a nice, uh, uh, g- genial guy, and uh, he was just lovely, lovely. And to hear that this guy that I, I have an emotional attachment to suffers unbelievably every day. Uh, physical and complete and mental turmoil from playing football. So there, there's my setup, right? I hate to be Debbie Downer, you know, with the Super Bowl week. But what does the NFL do? This is a legitimate problem. It's a huge problem. I think they've started with um, with their concussion awareness now. You talk about a guy like Wesley Walker. You wonder how many concussions he actually had over the course of his career that just went undiagnosed. You know, for no other reason that they just they didn't know how to diagnose them back then. Yeah. It's not that long ago either. It's only you're only talking about twenty, twenty five years ago. You're talking twenty I mean he retired in what, eighty nine? He retired in eighty nine, so that's twenty four years ago. I mean and he's you know, Junior Seau retired four years ago. Right. Or three years ago. Uh you know I think you're I think that's the first point I wanted to get to is that these guys played, even though it was only 20, 25 years ago, played in a different era with less protection and less awareness. I get that. But is it too late? Bri, has the NFL become too violent of a game? 
Yes. Well, I'm too, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's become very violent and that's, and that's what, that's how they sell the league. They sell the league on violence. Yes. And that, that box is open. I mean, there's no closing that box. You know, I hate, you know, I'm, I'm just like you. I don't want to get all curmudgeon on everybody. No, it's with, not, it's not, I want, I, it's not curmudgeonly. It's not. Well, but it, but it, but it kind of is in the way I see it is as I get older, I look at it differently too. You know, I'm sure. Absolutely. I shouldn't Absolutely. say I'm sure. I would be willing to bet that a 23-year-old male that watches football, watches a montage of hits on ESPN with helmets being knocked off and guys getting knocked unconscious and reacts much differently to it than you and I. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I did. You take me 15 years ago, I reacted differently. I didn't love it. I was never that was never sort of my thing. Like I, I like a big hit just as much as the next guy at that time, but I it didn't bother me. I didn't think about the future of the league. I didn't think about Wesley playing football someday and if I'll let him play football. And I also didn't think about how it changes watching the game for me. I I I'll be honest. I want to watch football for the rest of my life. I love NFL football. I love it. It's it's becoming tough to watch knowing what has happened to these guys. And yes, they signed up for it. They know that. But Wesley Walker even says in this article, I didn't sign up for this. Here's the other thing is that and I've always looked at it as it's always been a pet peeve of mine, but yeah. I think it's act, it's more than just a pet peeve. I always complained, you know, over the last 10 years, 10, 15 years, I've always lamented the fact that nobody knows how to tackle anymore. It's it's true. Right? And 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 to me it's always been like it's been an annoyance. It's been oh, wrap the guy up. Go, you know, put your shoulder into his hip, wrap him up, pull him down by his legs and tackle. And it was always like, well, you know, they're going for these big hits to get on ESPN and they're missing they're missing the player completely or the guys just bouncing off of them and then they wind up scoring a touchdown. So that part of it annoyed me. And the more and more I think about it and the more and more I watch it, it bothers me more than it annoys me because these guys are turning their bodies into missiles. Right. You know, and NFL players today are faster and bigger and stronger than they've ever been. And you get a guy who's six, four, 250 pounds running at you full speed, and then he leaves his feet and launches himself at your head. Yeah. That's, but that's the NFL right now, and that's a problem, I think. You, I went to a Jet-Steelers game. It's probably, I mean, I think it was either before we got the tickets or when we first got the tickets. I can probably go on, like, Pro Football Reference and look up the exact game. Um, I think it was... 91. Um, but uh, Jet Steelers, Al Toon, goes over the middle, and uh, Greg Lloyd goes headhunting, hits him so hard in the head, leaves his feet so hard in the head, knocks Toon unconscious on the field. Then, of course, being the classy Pittsburgh Steeler that he was, 
stood over him and counted him out. Literally, wrestling style. Gave him a three count. Uh, and, and you know, did receive a personal foul for doing that. He didn't receive a call for the hit. That's before they had that. But he received a personal foul in sportsmanlike conduct for standing over Al Toon and counting him out. And I'll never forget seeing Al Toon walk to the dressing room because I was on the Jets' sideline and I was able to look over the rail. And I'll never forget seeing Al Toon being walked to the, the Jets' locker room. And he didn't know what town he was in. And that was probably one of eight or nine concussions that Al Toon suffered in his playing career. Well, that were diagnosed. That were diagnosed. So I think about Wesley Walker, who I never thought of as a concussion guy going through this. And I watched Wesley Walker's, you know, the, the latter stages of Wesley Walker's career. I watched all of Al Toon's career from the day he was drafted. What is Al Toon going through right now? You know, what's happened to him? And I'll do you one better. What's happened to Wayne Corbett? Yeah. I mean, Wayne Corbett is on Twitter now, right? Mm-hmm. And he's very active on Twitter, and he's very engaging on Twitter. He's, he's you know, really uh, in, engages with the fans and stuff. Bro, you saw, you saw that guy take hits to the head. That he, Well, he had to retire because I mean, of he it. had to retire because of concussions. And he, he has intimated that he's never been the same. He's still not the same. I mean, this must scare the crap out of him on a daily basis. He reads this. I, I, I would hope he didn't read this article. I really do. I really do. I really hope he didn't read it because it would scare the crap out of me. I'd just be waiting for this to happen. But when you look at the article, so I'm just kind of perusing it again right now. It's not just the concussions. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's the hits. It's the wear and tear of, of playing in the NFL for however many years Wesley Walker played in it. He, he he had spine a problem with his spine. Right. That that's like you're in paralysis territory when you're dealing with the spine. Yeah. Well, that's the other. I mean, Bruce Harper, his wife can't even leave him alone. Yeah. She's afraid he's gonna, he's gonna die or kill himself. I mean, it's just what does the NFL do? Brian has to do something. Something has to. The president came out this week and said, "If I had sons, I'm not sure I would let them play football at that level. Yeah, I'm not sure I would want them to play football." What does the NFL do? I, I don't know what they can do. Has to change point. the way we watch the game has to change. Otherwise, in five years, you know, eight years, nobody's going to want to play. I mean, you got you have to change it at the lower levels, though. It's got to start there because nice. you can't all of a sudden, like next year, change the NFL. But that's, and, what, that's what they've tried to do, and it's been a miserable failure. Right. With the James Harris – and James Harrison is, I mean, culprit number one. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody should say to James Harrison, and I've wondered this for a long time, that if you were watching your son play and somebody hit him the way you hit uh, players, would you be clapping and saying great hit? I, I don't think you would. You know, there's no intent to tackle quite often for James Harrison. There's intent to injure. For a lot of guys. Yeah. No, but I'm saying he's... Well, specifically him, yes. But then they tried to fine him, and, you know, I heard a great point the other day. Uh, I forget who was saying it. It was on one of the 800 NFL uh, Super Bowl shows. 
some NFL guy. But he was talking about it was it was actually quite a salient point in that it's gotten to the point where the players don't know what's a foul anymore. Like the the, the league has fined fifty thousand dollars here and five thousand dollars there, and ten ten thousand dollars here and five thousand. It's they don't know what is what. It's not well defined what is a, a foul is. You know what I you know what I hate hate to even go here, but do you think it would take a marquee name being seriously injured for the end? And I don't I don't even want to I don't even want to say a name for fear of of, of yeah, putting no. it out there. But I, I, but let's yeah. let's say you take one of your top five quarterbacks in the NFL, baseball's G or football's Jeter. <laughs> Some, yeah, something like that, and and a quarterback takes a hit, and and is God forbid something catastrophic happens to him. Do you think that that would change the way the NFL looks at this? I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't know if that ne- if that prism necessarily needs to be shifted. I think the NFL realizes that it has a problem. But what do I, they do? But what are they I doing? I think the NFL doesn't know what to do about it. You know, there's always been talk about changing the way helmets are made. Yeah. Or technology, right? Like, at what point does the technology become such that these sort of long-term effects, I'm not talking about, you know, a guy tearing his ACL. Okay, that sucks. Yes. We're talking about the long-term effects, the things you feel 15 years after you play, especially to do with your brain. Mm Mm-hmm. At what point does the technology or at what point is it is it become so desirable that the technology has to catch up? When you watch when you watch NFL players today and you look at them even uh, they had they they've been running the old Super Bowls on the NFL network and even yeah. 10 10 years ago 15 years ago maybe. Okay. And you look at the pads that these guys used to wear. Right. I mean a running back used to have these massive shoulder pads. He looked like a box. <laughs> he'd walk out there and he and he looked like a or a robot. Now these guys have have such streamlined equipment that you got to wonder how much protection is it even offering. Right. You know, and I and I know that they they you know, they do that because it makes them faster. Yes. You know, um but how what, what kind of protection is, is it providing? Right, and these guys are, are, are like we said, are, are stronger and faster, and and they're wearing less equipment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I and I want to I want to bring uh, PJ back in here because he just brought up a really good point uh, about uh, <laughs> improv again. I mean, you're 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 borderline genius. You realize that? Bringing bringing the gravitas I'm known for. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's like Belushi, Will Ferrell, Cachopo. Right. <laughs> that's where that's my hierarchy of improv. Oh, well, I, I, I want John Ferrell, <laughs> Frank Belushi, <laughs> Frank Stallone. Because let's be honest, you're better than that's Jim. what it is. I have the comic stylings of a good Frank Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Pete, you were Yo, talking your about. Your girlfriend's it. fat. That's my that's my best line. 
<laughs> Stallone used to wreck with that. That was his. That was Frank Stallone's yes end. Right. Right. <laughs> Frank, how come in every improv scene that we do, your line is your girlfriend's fat? That's hey, not. Excuse me. Is this Green Bombs Deli? Your girlfriend's fat. <laughs> and scene. It's like Frank Stallone and Piscopo. And help, help, I need a doctor. Your girlfriend's, girlfriend's fat. fat. <laughs> right, he, right, he says it a bunch of different ways, though. Your girlfriend, <laughs> fat. Yeah, good job, Frank. Why are we bagging on Frank Stallone? <laughs> no idea. No <laughs> Why did that happen? You're you're definitely a better improv improvisationalist than uh, Jim Belushi. That's obvious. Oh. What? I can't. You're mean to Jim Belushi. It, this is this is not an isolated incident. <laughs> you right. have it in for Jim Belushi. It has happened between Belushi and I before. That's correct. He makes bad decisions, but he's he's not terrible. He just makes bad decisions and sticks with them. He like, commits to those bad decisions. Yeah, like trying to revive the Blues Brothers and well, look for that. For that, he should never be forgiven, ever. Yeah, see. That's, that's, that alone should uh, not be forgiven. All right. Oh, come on, look, he back... played Captain Kangaroo like no one. That was the greatest sketch of all time. <laughs> that's, his, that's his shining moment. That exactly. and, the ghost, and the Ghostbuster sketch. But who's your favorite Ghostbuster? <laughs> um... So you were, Pete. You were saying Chuck Klosterman has uh, had an article. Was it on Grantland? I guess. Yeah, uh, maybe I six just, months ago. Did I miss this, or did I actually send this to you? Because <laughs> I, I I don't remember it. No, I don't think you sent it to me. I think it was a a, a Facebook friend of mine. Oh. And the, the the gist of the article was exactly that: is is uh, uh, you know, there, there's a secret countdown clock somewhere. That's just ticking off the minutes until the NFL has to have the, has to have this reckoning mm. uh, about head injuries, and they already know it's going to change and possibly hurt the NFL. Right. But it's there. You, there's already forward momentum that it's got to happen. Well, the lawsuits alone. Right, so you know the the, the NFL is being sued by four thousand or so ex players. I, I mean, they can't know that they are. Yeah, you can't just make all of those go away. Right. I mean, you you, you can't literally just buy your way out. You could donate three hundred million dollars to research. You can't make all of those lawsuits go away, and they're going to have an entire generation of retiring players who have even greater problems. And the research, because of guys like Junior Seau or Dave Dewerson, which is just, oh, just makes me unbelievably sad, the idea of getting to the point of depression and taking your own life, but doing so in a manner uh, that leaves your brain to be studied, So, which is what Dave Dewerson did, which is what Junior Seau did, um, <clears throat> so that you know they could figure out what went wrong for you. So now the NFL is going to have that research as well. They're going to have to change the way the game is played. They're going to have to. Or mount 
an incredibly ugly defense, a la the tobacco companies, mm-hmm. um, where they where they fight science with science, and they get their own team of lawyers and a couple of doctors to say, this is not what it seems. Which, I mean, the PR for that would probably be disastrous, but they could do it. I think I think the decision will be made by the public, by the fans. Yeah. Because the fans are the ones that are going to have to accept the new game. Yeah, but will they give them the new game? I think it's it's like a chicken and the egg type of thing. They the the NFL is reluctant to give the fans the new game until they know that the fans will be on board with it. And the fans don't know what to be on board with until they see it. Right. So it's like this it's like this round robin game that goes back and forth. Meanwhile, players are getting devastated well, out on the field. Right. What are the what are the top five or six changes to the game that you foresee, you know? Put them in front of me and let let me tell you whether or not I'd go back to watching a football game. I uh, one of the first changes I would make, and it's a simple one, is uh, it, eliminating the Thursday night game. Okay, eliminating a game every Thursday night, and giving these guys more time to recover. I mean, the NFL says that it's serious about you know curtailing head injuries and and uh, serious about its players' well-being, and they added a Thursday night game every week. That means that every week, and we've talked about it before on the show, and and so is Bill Simmons, and so is uh, so have lots of guys and girls. You can't do that. You can't claim to be concerned about your players' well-being and safety, and then schedule a game every Thursday night and have teams playing sometimes three games in fifteen days. You and- can't do that. And want to add two additional games. And want to, the to add two additional games to the schedule. So that's the first thing I do. The first thing I do is I go to an 18-week schedule, and I give every team two bye weeks, and I eliminate Thursday night games. Eliminate it. I'll keep Monday night games. That's fine. Okay, but I'm getting rid of Thursday night games. That's it. Thanksgiving. That's the only Thursday game you play the whole season. Because to ask these guys to play a game three days, 72 hours, after they've just played one, is ridiculous. I don't ridiculous. think you see fan backlash from that one. Uh, well, you you know where the backlash would, from that would be, guys. It would be from, from, from the networks, because it's all about money. That's all about money, and that's disgusting to me. So that's one, number one. I go to an 18-week season, but it's... I don't add games. Every team gets two bye weeks. Give these guys more time to heal. Give them, you know, two weeks off in the season. Would you one? Would you give them two weeks off and keep the schedule at sixteen games? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can do that too. Yeah, sixteen games. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. I, oh, okay. I, I, I didn't uh, illustrate that clearly. Sixteen game schedule stays, but two bye weeks instead of one. So it's so it's an 18 week season technically, 16 games in 18 weeks. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's the first thing I do. Um, or the first thing I suggest. Cal, do, do you have something? Well, this is going to lead beautifully into my into my last point, but what, what I mean is, I almost feel like you should ban the leaving your feet hit. 
Wow, can you do that? I don't. I, I mean, I don't know if you can do it, but can a referee call a penalty on a guy who leaves his feet and launches himself at somebody to tackle him? How about for a hit? Not a tackle. Not like diving at somebody's legs to try right. to tackle them. Right, right. I'm talking about launching yourself from three yards away to in, the head. Right in, you know, your shoulder. It's not helmet to helmet, so it's legal. But your shoulder right up into a guy's chin. What about an ejection for that sort of hit? Because you know what? Ha- an ejection, yeah. No, I agree with that. Because right now what happens is it gets reviewed after the fact. No penalties called on the spot. And then two days later, it gets reviewed, and the guy is fined $25,000. Right, but there's no penalty in the game. But there's no penalty in the game. So, you know, and, it's, and these guys that make $5, 6000000 million a year, that's nothing to them. Well, you, yeah. you could increase the penalty. It's not – it's like the death penalty argument, right? It's not – it's not a uh, – It's not a deterrent. deterrent. Deterrent, exactly. If you're costing your team something – then maybe it's a deterrent. Right. Time off the field is, is a worse penalty than... What about a penalty box? I mean, what about <clears throat> instead of an eje- uh, ejection? What about you got to play a man down for three plays? Yeah, I don't know if you could do that in football. Look, Brian, we're talking about making big changes. No, I know. Right? I know. And, and really having deterrence during the game. What about a penalty box? What about you got to play a play, you know, you, you have a hit like that. And again, it's up to the referee's discretion, just like it is in hockey. It's up to the officials, you know, it's up to the ref's discretion what deserves a penalty. I mean, there are rules, obviously, but it's all also open to interpretation. What if you have to play a man down for a play? You know, for, an, for what's deemed an illegal hit. I mean, that would certainly be... That I don't, I don't be, see that one sticking. If people are worried about injuries and you tell them to play a man down, they'll scream. Again, though, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. I don't. I almost don't care what the players say because it's for their own good. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're protecting themselves. It's We're protecting, protecting themselves, them from themselves from themselves. Right. This is like the Greg McElroy situation where McElroy didn't want to report that he had a concussion this season because he was afraid of losing his job. Right. Sometimes, and again, I'm not saying any of these would be instituted or anything. I'm just spitballing here. Right. I'm just I'm doing my Nathan Jessup here. Okay. I'm just spitballing. Let's say we train the lad. Uh, that's one I was thinking of. I have a radical idea that I wanted to get to later because it ties into the PEDs with baseball <laughs> in in terms of this. Okay. But my next fix for the NFL would be I want to throw as much money as need be at R&D. So like I want my research and development aspect of the NFL to look like Procter and Friggin Gamble. Okay? I want it to look like Johnson and Johnson. I want them developing every possible safety helmet and pad and and I am dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into research research and development. 
to find out. Give me the helmet that takes. Look, it's it's Steve Austin here. We have the technology. You can't tell me that they can't figure out a way to build a helmet that can withstand the collisions. You know, our, our buddy Dan mentioned this a while back. We were talking about this, and, and, and we were talking about helmets and, and equipment, and he mentioned that it's very simple. They have the technology to build a helmet with the padding on the outside. And the NFL will never do that because they sell the game on the sound of the helmets colliding. That's right. I forgot he had mentioned that. We should mention that our buddy Dan is a neurologist. Exactly. <clears throat> so he may have access to studies that we don't have. But but Brains. if I recall... Brain that we haven't had a chance to get our hands have. on. No. But, I, but if, I re- if I recall the conversation correctly, he yeah. said that the technology is there to do that. You're absolutely right. He did, Bri. And the NFL is, is reluctant to go there. Now... If the technology exists and the NFL will not use it, you're putting you're putting a lot of a lot of accountability on the league. Well, those lawsuits are looking a lot better right now, aren't they? Right. <laughs> From the plaintiff angle. Yeah. I that would be my other that would be another step. A lot of in development. I want to dump millions. Get me that helmet. It's going to save the game. It's going to save kids playing the game. Yeah. I, 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 you know, Teresa said it two years ago, and uh, and I never forget it. I looked at her like, oh, "You're crazy." So I don't know if I ever want. You know, Wesley was like brand new. I said, <laughs> "I don't know if I ever want." He still had that new baby smell and everything. I said, "I don't know if I ever want." Right. <laughs> it's got still got the old tagger on it. Um. I don't know if I ever want him to play football. And I looked at it, I was like, if he wants to play football, he's playing football. And two years later, I'm like, you know what? I am not sure. I am not sure. I haven't put my kid in it. And he asks me all the time. And you won't let him play? Not yet. I'm, I'm very torn about it. Yeah. And you know what, Peach? I would... I have a bigger problem with letting him play at the age that Danny is because they, the kids don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they just know hitting each other. It's probably easier for him to get a concussion then than when they at least get some acumen about the game. Yeah, you know, well, or, in or Jersey. Or I mean, acumen's not the right word, but the ability to the game. a high school athlete getting ripped up, you know, uh, on the news every every week. Hey, it's Don Bosco. Come on. There's, there's some, you know, poor kid athlete, you know, promising career, cut short. That's the, I mean, you have one of the biggest football high schools in the country in Jersey, in Don, in Don Bosco. That's one of the biggest uh, oh, football. Your kid go to Donnie Brasco? Donnie, Donnie Brasco. Great school. It's a fugazi. That school's a fugazi. Um, how do you, <laughs> it's like, forget about it. Like that Raquel Welch. <laughs> it's fat. Raquel Your girlfriend's Welsh. fat. Your girlfriend's fat. Frank Stallone in Donnie Brasco 2. <laughs> More Brasco. More Brasco. Good one. Um, double the Brasco. Double the Brasco. <laughs> um, no, but PJ, that's that's 
it's a difficult choice. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't know if the time will ever come that I'll even want to play football. But it, the fact that it's even a consideration tells you how where it's come to. I, I don't know. But that would, what else have you got, Bri? What, what else would you spitball there to change the game? I tell you, I like our. I like, I'm starting to like our play a man down for a play. I'm starting to like it. Well, that's that is going to have a great impact on that game. That was. I'm sorry, you broke up there, Brian. What happened? It's going to have the actual the greatest impact on the actual game. Right. What's why is the third man in in a fight penalty a good deterrent in the NHL? I think it's cut down on on brawls and and bench clearing brawls and stuff like that. In well, they, well, they they stop guys from leaving the bench too. In hockey, right? It's a good deterrent Basketball. because it costs your team at the time. Right. That if you're the third man in in a fight, it's a game misconduct and you're out of the game. Right. So that's why. So you need something that's a deterrent that's going to keep guys from launching themselves like a missile, leaving their feet at a guy's head. To me, that's the biggest problem in the game right now. Yeah, it has to be. has to be. And the accountability, if, if you, if you really want to drill down here, the accountability extends all the way down to kids that are Danny's age and kids even younger than that. And the coaches at that level teaching the kids the safe way to play football. Because there is a, it, football is not automatically... A death trap. No. There's a safe way to play the game. There's a safe way to play the game. And these coaches at that level, it's it's incumbent upon them to teach these kids from the beginning the safest way to play the game. The coaches are just dads who watch football around here. You know. That's that's a good point. What do they know? They don't know. Well, that's that's to my point with John Harbaugh. And talking about that hit that way. And and saying, that's great football. That's what football's all about. The guy was motionless on the ground. He could have been paralyzed. Well, the other problem is that they're all desensitized to it, too. So that doesn't, like, that doesn't phase them. To see to see Ridley down on the, on the ground like that, it didn't phase them. I think it phased the Patriots. It didn't phase the, the Ravens. No, it didn't seem to. And they were all fighting over the fumble. <laughs> you know, they they were all uh, piling, dogpiling the rabbit for the fumble. You know, and then and then and then what happens is they go into the locker room after the game, and OJ Brigance is sitting in there in a wheelchair, suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Mm-hmm. That they think might be a result of too many hits to the head during his football career. Mm. So you look at a play in the game where they knock Stephen Ridley out, and then half an hour later, this man that that can't even communicate in a wheelchair is delivering a, an address to the team. Yeah, I think that there's a disconnect there. There is, and I think that uh, you know the, the other thing about it is that these players, I understand the way they have to program themselves. I mean, I do. I understand that they, they can't afford to think about the game that way. They can't. They can't afford to think about getting hurt. I'm talking about current players. Right. 
they can't afford to think about getting hurt during a game. The minute you start thinking about getting hurt during a game, you're going to get hurt. Yes. Um, you know, if you ever question why some of these players are unbelievably spiritual, <laughs> and and uh, hey, look, you know, that's fine. Uh, I mean, who who the hell am I to judge? But I'm I'm saying I, I get it. You know, you, you may want to give yourself over to a higher power when you're playing a game that that's that violent and your safety is on the line. I mean, your health is on the line with every play. I know they can't think that way. But if they start to take a look at what guys, like you just said, like going into the locker room and seeing that guy in a wheelchair with ALS, that's possibly brought on by the hits that he took on the field. I think that's going to change the way they play the game. Like that's, to me, maybe the last piece of this, guys, is how... Do the players at some point, the current players, change the way they play the game? Do they look at it and say, I don't want to end up like that. I can still play this game without getting on Sports Center for a ridiculous hit. Does that happen? Or maybe maybe Sports Center needs to stop showing the ridiculous hits. Oh, that's another piece of this. That's another piece of this. This is, there's there's no easy answer, no. and there's no one like one person or one entity or group that if they change it, everything will fall in line. I, I mean, there's a whole host of people that need to be held accountable and are responsible for making the change. Yeah, and they can all I, have to be I on board Bob with it. Costas on it. We should really, can we get Costas on this? No, no, no. no. Costas had a. Uh, you know, he was talking about guns. Yes. Um, you know, you remember his infamous un- 90-second uh, halftime yeah. spiel. Which he got unfairly um, ripped for, but that's fine. Right. Well, that's right. But <clears throat> his defense of it was he wasn't speaking about it in a way that he was he was uh, saying that legislation was the answer, um, but rather change the culture. And I think this is similar. It is. You're, you're not going to fix it by just rewriting the rule book. You have to change the culture. Yep. And you can't change the culture overnight, though. That's the problem. No, you certainly can't. But you read more articles like like Jeff Roberts wrote in, in on New York on NewJersey.com, and you you see the effects. You actually see the effects. On your favorite players when you were growing up. You know, 85, Wesley Walker. God, I loved Wesley Walker. And to see the player, uh, to see the effects on people that you, you know, I care about vicariously through a football team. But I care about. To see them suffering like this for my amusement is a little too, you know, like gladiators and the Romans to me. It's a little too Roman for me right now. It really is. Let him die. Right, it really is. Let him run a post route. It amuses me. <laughs> uh, so special, I, I a, a special box seats at every game for uh, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> Somebody's been a busy little bee. That's. I, I'm sorry. He stinks in that movie. <laughs> stinks. I know. Has anybody? <laughs> speaking of movies that I've watched in my <laughs> lately. That I've caught lately that I'm like, oh my goodness, that, whoa. It's so 
ridiculous. Is that why it stinks? I think so. I remember thinking it stunk at the time. And then he was, like, nominated for an Oscar. So, somebody's been a busy little bee. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he played it so wonderfully Faye, which was great. Right. He's in love with his sister and stuff. Like, I mean, I get it. Speaking speaking of being extraordinarily Roman. Um... (laughs) You know, but, but oh, I just thought he stunk in that. That's my, hey, Wait, what are you talking true. about? In Gladiator. I hate that movie. Go on. <laughs> you hate that in, that movie in its entirety. Yeah, I almost got into a fist fight with Tommy B over that. <laughs> you, got it. you almost Wait. got into a fist fight with Wait. Tommy Balls? Yeah. <laughs> Because he came in, he's like, this movie's incredible. I said, that movie was terrible. Laughable. With, why, is it just, that, why is it that that our buddy Tommy B has, at one time or another, gotten into a fight, almost fisticuffs, with every one of us about different movies? He takes them very seriously. He's, he's entirely very passionate. Right, mine was Tannenbaum's. We almost got oh, into I'm a sure fight about like that. He did not like it. No, there's no way. <laughs> and you know, and you know what he really didn't want to hear? He didn't get it. <laughs> no, like anybody he, wants to hear that. I didn't even say it. He he, he cut me. He headed me off at the pass there. Yo, and I didn't like that. Movie I don't get it. Over my okay. head, right? I'm the dummy, right? <laughs> right. That's exactly right. He cut. He, he gave me a preemptive. Oh, I guess I don't get it, right? Is that my problem? <laughs> Oh. I don't know. I don't know why we're putting this very educated, erudite uh, guy from Westchester, super smart, <laughs> and putting him in Queens. But we'll do it. It's fine <laughs> because because he gets a little ruffled for movies, just he movies. He does. If I you disagree I, on I music guess, with him, I, it's just like, well, we disagree. Yeah, he's he's much more uh, placid about music. He really is, or much more agreeable. Like, ah, I don't like that, but that's cool. Yeah. World time on movies. He's an absolute idiot. Yeah, idiot. (laughs) Uh, Tom, I love that movie. Well, then let's fight. Right. I'm gonna have to punch you in the ribs. Right. Why are we wrestling? About the Untouchables. What, what happened here? We were just, your girlfriend's ugly. Your, your girlfriend's fat. Why can't you get the line right? That's I'm changing the, it up. Third time you messed up Frank Stallone's big line. It's improv. <laughs> it's in- <laughs> oh, so you're saying some nights she was ugly, some nights she was fat? This is all we had. <laughs> Yo, how's your girlfriend's goiter? <laughs> They all involved his girlfriend, at least. At least. Right. Oh, your sister. Right. Who works with your sister. Uh, um, yeah, no, uh, you can get into fisticuffs. So I'm glad you didn't like Gladiator. All right, one last thing on the uh, the Super Bowl, which, by the way, I think is going to be a great game. I love this matchup. I hate these teams, finding it very hard to like either one of these teams. Hate them both. Yeah. Um, but I think football-wise, X's and O's-wise, it's a great matchup to me. Just because, you know, you have, uh, as Bill Simmons said, you know, Willie Beeman, Steeman, Willie Beeman, 
in Colin Kaepernick. Um, it's just uh, and their their offense is rolling. The Ravens defense maybe has the ability to stop them. The San Francisco's defense is great, but the Ravens have proven to be a high-powered enough offense to put up some points and have some weapons. I think it's a really good matchup. I, I really do. I like it. How about you? It's a, it's a great matchup. I just I have not been able to get into any of the build-up to it there this year. There are so many unlikable characters involved. Oh, on both sides. Chief, chief example is Ray Lewis. Yep. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't take it. It's it it really has become a Ray Lewis reality show, the playoffs. Yeah. Did you see Tumors, Amani Tumors comments? I know you were talking about it, but I didn't see what he said. He just said it's 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 ridiculous. It's it's it, he's making a fool of himself and a spectacle of himself and it's such a me first thing. Oh. Like, you know, for the da- it, it, Tumor was like when you're dancing or, or when you're getting in the victory formation at the center of your field and, uh, you know, at, or, or at, uh, you know, what do you call it? The 50 yard line, you're, you're in the victory formation when they're in the victory formation on offense, dude, you're making it about yourself. Yep. And he said, you know, when it comes to the, to the God thing, like usually when people are that big, make that big a spectacle of their, their stuff, it's for show. But you want to know something? And it's, and it's, and it's hypocrisy. Like it, what Tumor's point was, if you're going to be that big with God, at least have a clean background. Uh-huh. You know, like, you can't just cite God every time somebody brings up your involvement in the stabbing of two people. I I, I love how indignant he gets. How, just absolutely indignant. Like, how dare you bring up the stabbing of two people that I may or may not have been involved in? That's God's. That's God's concern. Right. What? I I live with it every day. Do you? Yeah. Well, not as much as the two dead guys. That was my favorite line. I live with it every day. You don't have to live with it every day, or something like well, that. But yeah, right. Live with what, Ray? I thought you didn't do anything. Yeah. So what do you live with? Oh. I can't. I can't. I can't take it. But the media eats it up. They eat it up. I mean, when when he was down on the ground after they won the AFC Championship game, <laughs> and there was uh, at, at least fifty reporters around him. Right. At least. You just texted. You're like, I can't. I can't take this. I, are you kidding me with this? <laughs> yeah, it's enough. Oh. It was a great. It was a great Deadspin article yesterday called the the Haters Guide to Ray Lewis. Uh huh. And it was just. It was just wonderful because it it called out the hypocrisy and stuff like that. And it talked about the idea, and, and this is something that, that does bother me, and I don't want to get political or religious about it, but it does bother me a little bit in sports. And that is, you know, you don't get automatic redemption just because you now believe in God. Right. Like that. that's not the purpose. It shouldn't buy you uh, an automatic redemption card. That's, that's not... Uh, Jeff Buckley. <laughs> hey, who you know who else is unlikable? Jim Harbaugh. Oh. How is it possible that Jim Harbaugh is so much more unlikable than his brother? It's well, look, his How's that brother, possible? His brother's not super likable either. 
But Jim Harbaugh is a self-described Neanderthal uh, who wants to embarrass his competition. And The things that he was saying – I was watching like a real sports interview with him from like two years ago when he first got the job with the 49ers. Uh-huh. And they were playing each other on uh, Thanksgiving night, the Harbaugh brothers. And uh, he was talking about like just what a jerk he is. Like, like what a complete jerk he is. I'll tell you what, if, if I was his wife, I'd be worried. Just saying. He's, he's a jerk. I, you know, if he, I, if Rex Ryan said half the things that this guy said, he'd be, he, he, they'd ride him out of town on a rail. Yep. Rex Ryan says, oh, we're, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl. I think we got a great team. And he's a jerk, loudmouth, blustery jerk, idiot that the league hates. But Fans who, around the league hate. Right, hate. he's a clown. Hate the Jets. The Jets are a laughing stock. And J- Jim Harbaugh is a jerk. Like, not a good person. At all. Oh, I mean, we don't know Jim Harbaugh, so... He get, I'm just going by the interview that he gave where he is a self-described Neanderthal. Right. Doesn't like people. <laughs> And, you know, gets in fights with other coaches. I mean, not that we can really defend Jim Schwartz, but still. You know, gets in fights on the field, you know, rips on his own players. Like, he just he's a jerk. Constantly jumping up and down and crying about calls. Ah, he's just... And, but he's beloved. Well, he's maybe by San Francisco fans. He's not beloved by everybody. Well, the league, ask a Jet fan. Who would they rather have as coach right now? Or ask a Jet fan whose antics bother them more. I'm a Jet fan. Why don't you ask me? I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather have the guy who gets in a fight with another coach than a guy who is unbelievably respectful of other coaches and who's never said a bad word about another coach. You know what? Harbaugh doesn't have a thing for feet. <laughs> but she doesn't have a tattoo with Alex Smith's jersey on his half-naked wife. <laughs> You know, I, I I have a problem with Colin Kaepernick also. Oh, do tell. I have a problem with him. I think he's been around for three minutes, and he's a little full of himself, this kid. He's Willie Beeman. He's, the, he's the new generation. He's the next model of quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I know. I don't like him. <laughs> I don't care for that. I don't, and I, and, and I, I, can, I feel myself aging as I'm sitting here <laughs> saying it. The gray hairs that just... Right. Like, excuse me while I go put a cardigan on and put my bifocals up upon my nose. Out of my way, I have an ARP magazine to go pick up and a Social Security check to cash. I just... I, now I hand I, me my walker. He just rubs me the wrong way. I see it. Right? I, well, and also, you know how I feel about reading articles about, like today, you know, I think it was even Peter King. Could be the next greatest, you know, could be the best quarterback in the game. Yeah. Let's, can let's can we wait 10 minutes? Why don't you, uh, why don't you ask Cam Newton to contribute to that story <laughs> right. that you're writing? Hey, how about Andrew Luck? Is he just sitting on this? Like, I thought I was the best quarterback in the yeah. game. Robert Griffin the third, just three weeks ago. He was the guy. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick. Do you remember him? Can go down as one of the best ever. That's what I, I mean, we're, we're doing this. We're really doing this. You know what's great is at least the media is not prone to hyperbole or anything. Yeah. No, they're not desperate 
desperate, desperate kingmakers oh, at all. Well, I'm, but 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 in all in all walks of of sports, when when you hear like some so and so is always one of the best ever, or this team is going to be one of the worst teams in the history of the game. Right, they have to do that. It has to be absolutes. Slow down. <laughs> Let's just do this. On. Can we play the game? Uh, all right. You know what? Give me a give me a pick. Well, wait. I have another problem. Ah, uh, what? Well, again, this is near and dear to my heart, but I want to bring it up because we have a podcast. Okay. Did you happen to catch uh, Abendejo's? How do you say his last name? Hmm. Brandon uh, Aben uh, the. Uh, uh, Abinadejo, uh, the uh, linebacker for the Ravens. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, can we look that up? Because we've really just destroyed my point. I'm going to do it right here. Hold on, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> I guess that's. I guess that I. Would I have to know how to uh, spell it first? <laughs> <laughs> guess I really just crapped all over what my point was going to be. Aja Vendejo? No. What about him? He uh, made some comments about same-sex marriage at the Super Bowl during press week. Oh. And he's been very outspoken in favor of same-sex marriage and it being a civil rights issue. And um, Aya Vendejo. Thank you. Uh, took a lot of grief, you know, during the season for it. And, you know, Chris Cluey, uh, the punter for the Vikings, rushed, you know, to, not rushed to his defense, but came to his defense. And they sort of uh, took on the uh, the the uh, Maryland uh, senator who criticized him for voicing his opinion. Yes, there, I remember how, that. How dare Earlier you. this year, right? Right. Well, during Super Bowl week, he's he's voiced his opinion again. He's been asked about it, and he's he said how he felt. And he has been ripped to shreds for using the Super Bowl uh, to voice his public opinion. Was he, uh, here's the thing, was he asked about it? I don't know if he was asked or if he volunteered it. That's not my point. Okay. My okay. point is, I'm not sure why that's not okay, but it's all right for Tim Tebow to do an anti-abortion commercial during the Super Bowl. I, I can tell you exactly why it's okay. Yes. Uh, they bought that ad time. Okay. Right? Sure. I would be willing to bet that if I am Badejo bought some ad time for the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd let him they'd let him do whatever he wanted. You think so? I I believe so. Yes. Okay. So if he is asked about this at the Super Bowl, uh, which I believe he was, and he voices his opinion. He's using the Super Bowl as a platform for him. Well, but that, there's there's a significant piece of information that needs to be clarified here. Was he asked? If he was asked, then he sh- then then nobody should rip him at all. He but, was asked. Buying, but buying the ad time or not, are you not still using the Super Bowl as a platform for your political opinion? Well, well yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Nope. Just checking. Maybe if he did it with his mom. <laughs> he he that would be a little bit better. His mom would have to be gay though. Oh, but listen, I mean they the Anna they love the players and their moms with the Campbell soup. You know, there's always the chunky soup, the players with the moms cooking soup for the for the teammates yeah. in the commercials. Sure, sure, sure. You know it's never really their mom either, it's an actress. What? Did you know that? 
I am shocked. I, you know, you you make fun, but I was surprised. I, I am a Neho. Um, Ravens. Uh, here's here here's a good headline. He's got a little tiny head, by the way. It was weird. <laughs> well, it's like a peanut. Ravens. Brend, uh, Brendan Brendan awaits son's heart surgery. Advocate for gay marriage rights. <laughs> wow. But while he's while he's waiting for his son to have heart surgery, he decided that he'd just you know take up the cause. By all appearances, Ayamendejo is living the dream. He's about to play in his second Super Bowl this time with his platform to speak his mind on causes ranging from gay marriage advocacy to a push for ALS research. <laughs> and his son needs a heart transplant. His son, Amadeus. Yes. I'm Amadeus Prime. Amadeus Prime. That's magnificent, by the way. <laughs> Put that on the list. Amadeus Prime. Amadeus Prime San Pietro. I can't. Oh, it just rolls off the tongue. Can't pull that off, Kenny. Love it. Uh, I, all I'm saying is, I, 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 there are other instances. Instances too. I'm not just talking about Tim Tebow's uh, anti-abortion commercial. Right. There was no. there was another instance that I wanted to cite where a player used the Super Bowl as a platform uh, for his or her beliefs, and nobody seemed to have a problem. And I think, I think <laughs> that the problem is what uh, I am Adejo's platform is. Not necessarily <laughs> the fact that he's using the Super Bowl for it. I don't want to get too deep into this. We know, and 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 we topic. never have in three years. We, I just wanted to bring it up because it was bothering me. No, but but my point is that's a conversation for another day that's starting to gain some traction again. Openly gay athletes. The first, right, who will be the first openly gay athlete. Well, who who openly, right. right. That, the key word is openly. Yeah. And and you know what he I I'm reading a little bit more about it. I had um you know, I had read about it previously before bringing it up, obviously. Um, but he was also responding to uh, uh, Culliver's uh, uh, Chris Culliver's homophobic remarks that he made the other day, right? Intimating that gay players wouldn't be welcomed in the Forty ers locker room oh. when he said, "We don't got no gay people on the team." Quote unquote. Culliver told the radio station during Super Bowl media day on Tuesday, "Quote, they gotta get up out of here if they do." End quote. Likeable. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good job. What about, what about uh, Ahmad Brooks and uh, Isaac uh, Sopoaga? What now? <laughs> what Two more guys say? on the 49ers. They're like, Who they're... is this? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> is this thing on? Where's PJ? Where's PJ? <laughs> is he eating again? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they did uh, one of those It Gets Better videos. Is um, it bullying? Oh, the yeah, the yeah, yeah. Aimed at gay youth, and now they're saying they never did it. They're denying doing it. Yes, they're becoming. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Deniers. It's like is it's it, like this. There is a narrative starting about the Forty ers being very homophobic. Yeah, well, uh, I'm just reading Chris Culliver's apology, <laughs> quote unquote apology. 
air quotes. No, I'm sorry, you're gay. Uh, <laughs> but your mother's ugly. I don't. Wow, he really wow. Is he is he missing it? Is he is he not getting the point here? Oliver, in a radio interview with Artie Lang, said he has no <laughs> desire to have Artie Lang. Of course, no no desire to have a gay teammate. <laughs> Chris Oliver, I'm surprised. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Uh, Instant impression. <laughs> so then this guy does so many drugs uh, In a Super Bowl week that has been dominated for the first time by stories about deer antler spray Which we're going to get to <laughs> Are we? Culliver has become the first player in Super Bowl history to use the forum to make anti-gay comments <laughs> He's a trailblazer I mean, he's he's... This is uh, on Jackie Robinson's birthday. This is, he's really, congratulations. This is his quote, Cal. I can't, oh boy. <laughs> the the preface, the preface to we don't have any gays on the team was, I don't do the guys. I don't do that. <laughs> they, we don't have any gays on the team. They got to get up out of here if they do. Can't be with that sweet stuff. <laughs> End quote. Again, was he asked his opinion on this? No. Well, did he, you know, Mr. 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 Tyler, what do you think the chances are this weekend? <laughs> are you guys going to play more of a cover two, or do you think you'll be uh, maybe man on the outside? they got to get up out of here. <laughs> I'm glad you asked me about the game. <laughs> Because hey, you don't want no none of them up, up in there. Up here. Chris, you're going to have to be physical with the Ravens wide receivers. Speaking of being physical with <laughs> wide receivers, they got to get up out of here. This is his apology, Cal. You ready? Yeah. Last Wednesday after the comments circulated, Culver – I'm reading this from the New York Daily News, by the way. Let's cite it. Okay. Uh, That's... Culver offered a bizarre half-hearted <laughs> apology distributed by the 49ers. Quote, the derogatory comments I made yesterday were ref- – cause clear- so clearly this is him. <laughs> clearly this wasn't a prepared statement. Because he, he went from, you got to get that sweet stuff out of here, to the derogatory comments I made yesterday <laughs> were, re- were a reflection of thoughts in my head, but they are not how I feel. Culliver said in the statement, it has taken me seeing them in print to realize they are hurtful and ugly. Those discriminating feelings are truly not in my heart. Further, <laughs> I, I totally believe he wrote this. I apologize to those who I have hurt and offended, and I pledge to learn and grow from this experience. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's also a... Uh, there's Was that a- said through his spokesman, uh, Kirk, Kirk Cameron and uh, Victoria <laughs> Jackson? <laughs> Oh, you mi- you didn't tell me about this part of it when uh, when Artie Lang asked Culver to reiterate his thoughts about uh, welcoming a gay teammate. He says, "Nah, can't be in the locker room. Nah, you got to come out ten years later after that." Really, ten years later. This is Artie Lang. He added that he realized his comments were especially offensive to many people in San Francisco and the Bay Area. Yeah, I know. 
Well, we were getting to that, right? Could there be a worse city for this kind of beatmaking? I mean, good luck on the team bus back home. Can't wait till you can't wait till you go get coffee. Jim Harbaugh says, "I reject what he said." That's, That's his comment. That's I reject it. what he said. It never happened. Well, well, Jim, he said it. You can't you can't just close your ears and wish it. I reject that. No, no, I reject that. Well, that's, that's, that's what he's done all his life. Is he just rejects what he doesn't like, <laughs> and he moves on. This reminded me of uh, – there's a great picture on the Daily News. Gal um, yeah, of the Daily News. <laughs> I can't even look at it with a straight face. Don't worry, folks. I'll put this up on the episode page. There's a great picture of Jack and Jackie Harbaugh, <laughs> Jim and John's uh, mother and father, screaming <laughs> – they're both screaming, holding NFL network microphones. <laughs> screaming. Are they are they real photos? Accompanying this story. And it says Jack and Jackie Harbaugh, parents of head coaches Jim and John, get fired up to make the Super Bowl a family affair. You can I gotta send you this picture. It's magnificent. They are screaming. At the t- they look like they are shouting down. A gay rights activist, maybe. I don't know. I think that might have been what they were trying to imply. <laughs> that's, that's the implication here. And <laughs> I'm, I'm emailing this to you right now because you, you have to see this. Um, and Which reminded me, the first time I saw uh, Mr. Harbaugh uh, watching uh, his sons do battle on that Thursday night game, I'll never forget turning to my brother and saying, who brought the great Santini? <laughs> Get the sneaking suspicion that if one of the Harbaugh boys didn't do what their dad wanted, they went to di- went to bed without dinner. Like that looks like a guy you do not want to piss off. You probably don't. You do not. You do. Wow. He wings the basketball off the head. That's exactly right. Who, who brought Duvall in the great Santini? You're gonna cry. Gee whiz. Are you gonna, gonna cry, cry now? You're gonna cry. Cry now. Sorry, hey, dad, dad. I reject that. <laughs> Wow, jeez! Looks like looks like Thanksgiving dinner must have been a hoot at the old Harbaugh household. <laughs> you call these potatoes? Ugh! Get this out of here. Do we know? That. Do we know if there's a third Harbaugh that we don't know about? Like like uh, Cooper Manning. <laughs> Poor Cooper Manning. Right? Is there another Harbaugh that just is you know? I don't know. They're going to find somewhere that's just completely disgruntled with all the attention his brothers are getting. Right. Frank Stallone Harbaugh. <laughs> Frank Stallone Harbaugh. Is there a Roger Clinton Harbaugh here? <laughs> it's going to go on Arsenio. <laughs> like, can we get him on Ellen? <laughs> Talk about or Dr. Phil while we're at it. Talk about his feelings, about his brothers. That that guy. Don't get me started on that guy. Dr. Phil? Yeah, Sopo. Oh boy! I, you know so- what? I, I can't even talk about that story anymore. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Until it, we'll wait till he's a jet, then we'll talk about it. All right, who's gonna win? Who's gonna win this game? Um, boy. <laughs> now, now, let's get back to the game. Right. Uh, I think the Forty ers You think the Forty ers are gonna win? They're. Fifth. I do. Okay. I do. I think they were. I I do. I'm not I'm not sure if I I can necessarily to me they're very similar teams. 
Um, you know, you just got the email, right? Is that magnificent? Oh, Peach, where do you see this picture? They are outraged about They are outraged. The Har- Jack and Jackie Harbaugh are outraged. She looks like she's been through some battles, huh? Finger pointing their fingers. <laughs> I can't wait to post this on the on the episode website. I can't wait. Like what could what could they be responding to in that manner? They're doing just to describe this to the people. They're doing press for the game. Like they're sitting on like an NFL Network set next to each other. There's a little table between them. They have NFL Network microphones, and they look like they like they are trying to filibuster. Uh, a, a bill in Congress, like they're. Uh, this is an outrage. <laughs> like Jack Harbaugh looks like he's he's saying this outlay outrageous, erroneous. <laughs> How dare you say that about my children? Uh, so good. Uh, I like the Forty ers All right. In this game, I think uh, you can't stop Colin Kaepernick. You can only hope to contain him. Is that your key to the game? That is the key to the game. <laughs> St. Pete's keys to the game. Yep. Not the best color man in the game for nothing. <laughs> NFL Network is calling. Hold on. Who's that on the other line, Cal? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the NFL Network. They'd like me to come and break down the big game. I feel like no, it's Tim doing... Belushi. It's Tim Belushi online. <laughs> That's Frank Stallone. Like, this should be something about my girlfriend. <laughs> the girlfriend's of... a pig. Like an animated set of keys just jingling. Sam Pete's keys to the game. <laughs> Worst Chiron ever. Uh, who do you like? How much you bench? I don't like either team, but if I gotta pick a if I gotta pick a team to win, I'm gonna go with the Ravens. Really? I think the Ravens are gonna win this game. I am on my way to if the forty ers should win, I will have gone ten of eleven on my picks in the playoffs. Is that straight picks? Yes. That's pretty good. Which one did you not get? Seattle and Atlanta. Oh, wow. 30 seconds from that. Yep. All right. Yep, Seattle and Atlanta. Well, good luck. Well, no, no, you know what? I'm I'm wrong. I, I picked the Patriots to win uh, over the Ravens. Baltimore, yeah. I did. I did. I would be going, if I get this, I'll go 9 of 11. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Still solid. Still solid. I stand by that. Okay, can we get to the uh, the A-Rod PED stuff real quick? Please. Real quick, though, because I don't really want to spend too much time no, on no, him. This, this was more your thing. I only had one point on it, I, I, I uh, uh, but I wanted to get your – do you think that he did it? Do you, do you like Gio Gonzalez's liar, liar, pants on fire defense from the Rocco Colombo School of Typewriter Maintenance? Listen, I, I, I don't give any of these guys the benefit of the doubt anymore. Especially a guy like A-Rod, who's, who's already admitted to using it. Okay, so great article by uh, our the guy we love, Matthew Callan, on Amazing Avenue yep. about the difference between Ray Lewis uh, being accused of uh, using PEDs to get back on the field uh, from his uh, torn tricep or bicep, or whatever it was, um, and A-Rod trying to use HDH to get back on the field and perform at a level that he previous did, previously did. And his, his basically, I don't know if you caught that article, Cal, but the gist of the article was, it's about imagery. 
Okay, the two sports are about imagery. When uh, baseball is based, you know, there's a hundred years of history in baseball that's not recorded. All it is is numbers, mm-hmm. because you couldn't watch it on TV, and you couldn't listen to it on the radio, and it's basically just all about numbers. And those numbers are held uh, in a sanctimonious or, or, or uh, sanctimonious is the wrong word. That's, uh, not, that's not right. Sanctity. There's a sanctity there involved with those numbers that if you toy with in baseball, you're robbing the game. You're cheating the game. Whereas in football, the entire history of the league in in the last 60 years, 50, 60 years, is recorded. You, right. can, you can watch all of it. So you can see how the players, the numbers don't matter. It's about the players on the field and being on the field to play. And you can see how they've changed and you can see the numbers. You know, all you know about Babe Ruth is that he hit 714 home runs. You don't know how he did it. You didn't get to see how he did it. So that number, there's a sanctity to that number. That if you toy with that, uh, it's not good. Well, and then I, I, guess, I guess it goes to the, to the fact that baseball numbers are more sacred than any, any other numbers. Yes. In any sport. In any sport. And, that, and therefore, if you're using a performance-enhancing drug, whereas with football, it's about getting on the field and right. playing. That's the, that's the, the, the gladiator mentality that baseball doesn't have. You know, you didn't earn it if you used a PED to get yourself on the field in baseball. Um, I, plus, I like that point. Plus, plus, people don't like to be lied to. Well, and when these guys come out and lie, and then they're found out to have lied or to have hid the truth, yeah, they go, public perception just goes after them that much harder. Right. I wanted to take... Though this argument a step further, and I want I want to see what you think of this between football and baseball and performance enhancing drugs, and maybe this is a personal thing, and I'll see if you feel that maybe it's apropos for a larger majority. This going to be a kind of like a Carlin thing. <laughs> <laughs> you going to do like a baseball football thing? I'm so excited. <laughs> it's not. Is it? I wish it was. I, I'm I, be let I, down, I wish I had. In my, you know, the, the talent that he had in his little pinky, I wish I had the ability to verbalize. No, it's not. <laughs> a series of landmines strategically placed in the outfield. In football, you do steroids. In baseball, you do HGH. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think and have always felt that it is just And this ties back into our previous conversation. I have always just accepted that football players have used steroids. Because, and there's a little part of me that's always said, you know what? Good for them. (laughs) In the sense that, you know, for those reasons. Not good for them, obviously. But I could understand it because of the nature of the sport that they played. And so I think it's just accepted. Because there's no, to me, there's no way you can 
quantify how much that's changing their performance. They're on a field with, like, is is Ray Lewis? <clears throat> how much is it helping? Whereas in baseball, it's it's seen as cheating. In football, I never saw it as cheating. It was just something that I, to me, I felt has always gone on, and it's like, well, whatever you got to do. <laughs> I, I, does that make sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I, I'm trying to say that I think there's a general perception that it's accepted in football because it's been happening for as long as it could possibly happen, and these guys are huge behemoth men who are crashing into each other like a car crash 65 times a game, and if they're taking a steroid to make that easier on them physically, then so be it. Whereas in baseball, you don't need it. Unless everybody else is doing it. Right, but you don't physically, like I've almost felt like with football, you almost physically need it. But you don't. To compete. You don't. If, if, if nobody's doing it, then you don't need it. You don't. The game would be different. The game would be more probably what we want it to be. It would be safer. It would be safer. This this is not a uh, – I'm not condoning its usage. I'm just telling you my feel. Like Ray Lewis did uh, HGH, okay. You know, A-Rod did HGH. Well, that's cheating. Like I expect it in football. It doesn't surprise me. I know. It's never surprised me. And – that was my last point. I want to hear what you think of this. My last point on how the game can change uh, in football is let them do it. Find a way, and this goes back to my research and development point, find a way to make the drugs like HGH work for you. Work for the players. Make them safer. Make mm-hmm. them you know, research and development into uh, how you can use HGH or, and again, this is medical stuff that's way over my head, but um, what I'm just trying to say is find a way to chemically help these guys while they're playing. Because it is a different sport than baseball. And I'm not talking about finding, you know, letting them do steroids. I'm talking about the uh, uh, recovery powers of HGH or that are inherited in HGH. Find a way to make that safe. I think you got to be careful with that because you're talking about drugs. The drug that they're taking, putting in their body. Yes, I know. You know, so I, that's that might be to me. I'm not comfortable with looking for a way to make HGH safer so that players can take it. What's not? I know it sounds ridiculous, but my point is it's not necessarily HGH. It's, it's trying to find something that is chemical that you could give to the, to football players that help with their recuperative powers. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Find a way to use it. If the players are going to do it anyway, and they're going to, especially with HGH, 
Um, and then what's the other one? H I H? No, there's a there's another. I mean, I'm not talking about the deer antler stuff. I'm just talking about you know human growth hormone. There was another uh, growth hormone, I I G H maybe or something like that. Um, find a way to use it and to regulate it and to use it for the player's benefit. So if they're going to do it anyway, at least you know it's like. The, the argument about legalization, right? You can legalize it and you can tax it. Right. Find a way to use that to your advantage. That's all. It's just a thought. I didn't say it was a great one. No, it's a good thought. It's uh, I'm I'm me. I'm not comfortable with it. You think that's too big of a Pandora's box, though? A little too radical. Yeah, I think. Um, I, you know, I don't. I think what's become clear is that whatever. You try to ban, they're going to find something else. Yes. No, I think that's abundantly clear. You know, I think I, it's abundantly clear that the players will find a way. It's the same thing with, and this was my last question on the PED stuff with baseball, is do you care anymore? I don't. I mean, do, do you really care anymore? I don't. I don't. I, 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 I've said it to you before, and I think we're in agreement on this. And that is... The only the only steroid that bothers me with these guys is HGH because that's cheating the game. They're on the field when they shouldn't be. Right. That's why, again, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I wish Andy. Somebody tweeted the other day. Boy, it's really unfair of Andy Pettit to hog his get out of jail free card for steroids. Um, but it, it, that's the the one that bothers me. But as far as the other P, like, who cares? Who cares? Enough now. Just, who cares? I agree, but people don't like to be lied to. Yeah. Well, and the fact is, it's a rod. You know, Gio Gonzalez. Gio Gonzalez came out and said, "No, I never did. I didn't even know that guy." And people were like, "Oh, okay, cool. See you in spring training. Pitchers and catchers, ten days." Because Gio Gonzalez didn't previously admit to Gio. exactly, exactly. Because Gio Gonzalez is not a rod. Right, but. but Arod actually admitted to using performance enhancing drugs, and now here he's under a cloud of suspicion again. He he gets no benefit of the doubt whatsoever. And then he goes and hires an attorney. Well, yes. a very, very, very prominent attorney. Yes. So, I don't know. I, hey, look, pitchers and catchers are in what ten days, eleven days, uh, ten days, Monday, right? Twelve days. Yeah. Um, you last night got to go to a. Uh, uh, what is this? The season ticket holders for the Mets, of which yes. your your brother-in-law is, I believe. Yes. Um, a Q and A Q&A with Sandy Alderson, J.P. Ricciardi, Paul De Podesta, and uh, Rico. <laughs> uh, the the Mets uh, front office hierarchy. You got to go. Yeah, it was pretty neat. I got to go last year, too. This is the second time that they did this. And basically what it is, is they sit up at the front of a room, like a panel, moderated by the great Kevin Burkhart. Just does a fantastic job. Everything he does. He really... I, I, I think Burkhart's great. I he think does he takes everything he takes, well. He takes so much crap online from Met fans. I don't know why. Because Met fans want to hate everything. Yes, they, yes, they do, and we'll get to that. But uh, but basically, it's just it's a you know 
Kevin Burkhart moderates it. He uh, he introduces the hierarchy, the brain trust, if you will, and uh, and then they take questions from the fans, from yeah. the audience, season ticket holders. These are full season ticket holders. Right. It's a perk. It's an so amazing cool. it's an amazing Met perk that they get by uh, you know you have to. You have to renew your season tickets by a certain date in full, and it becomes a perk. What it also seemed to be was license for these fans to air their grievances. <laughs> becomes festivus. He did it last year, and it was it was relatively benign. Last year. It was the first year they did it last year, too, right? Last year was the first year, yeah, because before that, it would have been Omar Minaya and crew. <laughs> and I just, I don't know how that would have went. Which I might have paid the freight for season tickets just to sit in on Omar Minaya hosting a, <clears throat> sitting on a panel taking questions from Mets fans. With Tony Bernazard, <laughs> Jerry Manuel. Oh, boy. Yes, I can. Oh, that would have been entertainment. That would have so, been magnificent. Yeah, so last year it was, it was relatively benign. Last year it came, they, they did it a lot earlier in the, in the off season. They did it like in November last year. And it was right around the time that they were negotiating or not negotiating with Jose Reyes. <laughs> Depending on who you believe. Right. right. So there were some questions about that last year. So this year, I thought it was very curious that they changed the timing mm-hmm. of it to do it much closer to spring training, much later in the off season. They probably thought that they were eliminating any possibility of controversy because, you know, by, by January 30th, everything's going to be set. We'll have our team set. You know, it'll be a nice get-together right before spring training. Little did they know they wouldn't have an outfield. So there was a lot of questions about that. Right. Uh, you got a question, how were the Mets in on Justin Upton? Right. And he said the Mets were not in on Justin Upton because we did not consider putting Zach Wheeler or Matt Harvey in, in the, the deal. And that's who they wanted. And that's who they wanted. Right. Um, he told a really interesting story, and I think he, he mentioned this on the radio too, but I didn't hear it originally. They were they were trying to get – he wouldn't mention the team or the players, but it was pretty obvious. There were two prospects from a major league team that they were trying to get. Did you hear this story? He said it when he was on with Francesa, but go ahead. He did. Um, trying to get for Dickey, and yeah. they wouldn't even consider it. Wouldn't even consider it. The day they made the trade for Darno, that general manager called Alderson up and said, I'll give you both of those guys for Darno." Right. So that tells you something that they they picked up a pretty good pretty good prospect. Yeah. Here's a, let me ask you something, Brian. Yeah. <clears throat> Met fans are a uh, beleaguered bunch. That's one way of putting it. Um, they are unhappy. They are beginning to question Sandy Alderson's pleasure cruise, his plan. What's the plan? Can I address thing? Can I address that for a second? Yeah. He brought that up because somebody somebody wanted to know at what point 
are the Mets going to stop putting an inferior product on the on the field? Right, which you said was met with applause, right? That question. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of hooting and hollering. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you tell right. them. Mom mentality. Right. So Alderson had a very good comeback, and he said that um, he's not getting any younger. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. There's no 10-year plan in place here. I'm not going to be here in 10 years. Right. I want to win. Yeah. It was a little Leon Hess-esque. You, yeah, just with a clue. Right. <laughs> no, but the, the tone of it, well, you know, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm getting I'm old. entitled to some enjoyment out now. of this team. Yeah. And he went on to talk about how they get criticized for their pursuit of certain players. Why would you go and bring a guy like that into this team? You're going to be horrible anyway. I think he was referencing Michael Bourne. Yes. You're going to stink anyway. You're not going to win. Why are you going to bring this player in? And his response was, well, first of all, how do you know we're not going to win? Right. Because we might. Yeah, I, I like that. I love that. And second of all, just because all of the money's coming off the payroll next year doesn't mean it's going to be you're going to. And I think he talked about maybe it was Rico that brought up you know walking up and down the supermarket and just pulling everything off of the shelf that you can because now you got all this money. Right. That's not the prudent way to spend your your resources. And if they see somebody that's going to help their team in the future and they can sign somebody now like a Michael Bourne, now they've locked up a center fielder. Right. And next year, when they have all of these resources to spend, they they don't need a center fielder. Right. They don't need starting pitching. They don't need an infield. Right. Now you're, tw- catch- now you're right. Now you're tweaking as opposed to having to make wholesale buys. But what, but not only are you tweaking, you are maximizing the amount of resources you have for just a specific area. Right. So you can really go out and get the best player that you can. Right. It also doesn't mean if you've got $50 million to spend next year, that you're going to go and spend $50 million. Well, that's the great thing that Met fans don't want to hear. And that, and that brings me to my last point about this, is he, made a, he, made, he brought something up early on, and it was when the team makes moves, they take, they take very much into account what the public perception of those moves are going to be. Really? Yes. That's surprising to me. And he want, and and he talks about and you could knowing the way that Sandy Alderson talks, I'm not going to be able to do it justice here, but you know how when he delivers a message delivers a message in a very subtle way where he's smarter than everybody that he's delivering this message to and he's making it very clear. But he's so smart that the people that are receiving the message don't get that he's kind of taking a shot at them. Right. He said that when they make moves, they have to take into consideration whether a Met fan understands that it's part of a plan <laughs> and that the move is not just made in a vacuum and that there might be other pieces that in, that surround this move that they're making. Right. So now, I love it. I love it. Fast forward an hour later and we're in the elevator walking out. Right. Crowded elevator. There's like, you know, 12, 13 people in the elevator. 
and I'm right at the front, and behind me I hear, you can't run a team in New York like it's in Kansas City. It's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not going to work. And I looked at my brother-in-law, and he looked at me, and we just grinned and shook our head. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, remember what he was talking about, about the average fan getting it? They don't. No. The average fan does not get it. Here's a takeaway for me, Bri, is that, you know, Met fans lament up and down. Uh, they don't know the plan, and they don't know, you know, the what's going on, and, and Sandy Alderson's on a honeymoon cruise and stuff. Uh, this is two years in a row out of the three that they've been running the team that they had an open panel with with season ticket holders that was reported on, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's not like the press couldn't be there. To know, Can you get more transparent than that? Now, obviously, they're not going to divulge trade secrets. Well, nor should they. But, but, I mean, how much more transparent do you want them to be? They let fans ask them questions. And and fans were asking him everything. Yeah, like what? here here was here was a good question. <laughs> I mean, but you you said it before. Like, could you imagine that with Omar Minaya? Well, no, they never would have done that. Yeah, because they weren't that transparent. He he's telling you exactly what the plan is. Uh, another question came up. That's unbelievable. There were there were and and you, I I give the the Met fans credit for having the the onions to stand up to Sandy Alderson and ask them these <laughs> right. things. But I give the front office even more credit for the way they answered them. Yeah. Um why would you why would you put a triple A team in Las Vegas? Right, you said that, yeah. What was their answer to that? All right, so well if I back up, Deep Podesta had just gotten through I'm going to back up even a little bit further. The question to Dee Podesta was, how come the Mets can't develop any outfield pro- prospects? They seem to be able to develop pitching. Right. But ever since Daryl Strawberry and Lenny Dykstra, those were the two names he brought up, they haven't been able to develop an outfield prospect. How come they can't do that? Dee Podesta's answer was, well, we've, we are focused on pitching. That's the organization's philosophy. And he admits that the, that the pitching is ahead of the, of the outfield, of the offense. Doesn't mean that they're not trying to. And then he referenced, you know, Brandon Nimmo. They right. spent their first round pick on him. Um, but he talked about how the pitching is what the team is developing. That's their organizational philosophy is to develop pitching. And they have, and they believe that they have probably the best pitching prospects, pool of prospects overall in all of baseball. Wow. Okay. So that's what he says. Might not so be true, but I like them believing it. May not be true. So now it's followed up by a question. Well, if that's the case, if if pitching is such a priority, and really all you can, and you're so focused on developing top pitching, why would you put a AAA team in Las Vegas, which the, in the in the Pacific Coast League is a haven for offense? Right, because the altitude. Why would you do that? And this was great, and it was actually something that I hadn't even thought of. You put some you. When you are developing pitchers specifically, you want to get them ready for the major leagues. And guys like Zach Wheeler 
and guys like Familia and guys like uh, they mentioned Rafael Montero, who was mm-hmm. one of their big prospects last year. These guys have had a relatively smooth ride through the minor leagues. Thus, if they were to be promoted tomorrow to the major leagues, they are not prepared to deal with any adversity. They don't know. They don't know what it's like. And then you bring somebody up, and he gets he gets racked in the majors. And now what? Oh my God! You know. His entire, right. his entire life, all he's known is success. Right. And the first time he experiences adversity is at the major league level. Yeah, not good. I like, I like that. So maybe, and, and they didn't choose to put the team in, in Las Vegas. That's the other thing. Right. Sandy Alderson, they asked him, and he answered, the, the way he answered it was, he says, you ever play old maid? Right. Kind of like, this is what was left. Yeah. So we were stuck in Las Vegas. They had to leave Buffalo, and Las Vegas was the only thing left on the table. Right. But you know what? Maybe it's not such a bad thing because you're going to put a Zach Wheeler in in AAA in Las Vegas, and he's going to have to deal with balls flying out of the ballpark. Right. He's going to have to adjust, and he's going to have to face that adversity. And you know what? Maybe it makes him a better pitcher. Maybe it helps his development. And that's the type of thinking. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I didn't even consider that. But it makes sense. it's perfect sense. Yeah. The other thing I would have thought of is that it makes those um, uh, lesser offensive players um, somewhat more attractive to other teams. Right. And, and, and conversely builds the confidence of your hitters yeah. who are now going to go out to the Pacific Coast League like a Travis Darnell. Right. But put, put up big numbers. Yep. You know? So it was, it was, an, it was an intelligent answer. And then the other, the other big thing was – they talked about advanced metrics a lot. Yeah, you had said that this proprietary system and yeah. So Deep Podesta was talking about the fact that the Mets have developed their own system of of advanced metrics. This is something that the Mets created. I I, I love this. Insert joke here. Right. Right. Only the Mets. <laughs> Only the Mets. But. Oh, the this po- this this is the kind of thing that like if Francesa ever got wind of this, or you know, I I I could actually put that too. Like sixty-five to seventy percent of Met fans. Well, right yeah, now. I'm, and I'm looking around the room as he's as he's as he's explaining this, and basically the Mets had a very informal research department leading up to this year, and this year they've decided to make it a full-blown department within the organization. Right. It's research. It's R and D, like you were talking about. It's research. I love it. Right. And it's just, you know, a whole bunch of little mini money ball guys running around following this proprietary system of metrics that the Mets have developed. That's so great. And Deep oh, Podesta, man. So many Deep, fans' heads would explode. That's my point. Deep Podesta is explaining this. And I'm looking around the room, and there's, you know, there's Joe Fan number one with his hat and his pins on his hat and his, his, 80, his Met jersey with the 86 on the back. And he's just staring at him like, what about my outfield? <laughs> what does proprietary mean? <laughs> Instead of setting up a research uh, department, why don't you get me a left fielder? Right. You know? That's <laughs> so great. It was, it, was, uh, it was interesting. Proprietary? What metrics. What, what are we doing? Let's go metrics. Are you an accountant or a general manager? Who's uh, nerd? <laughs> then it's back to that, right? 
<laughs> we're gonna lose the live feed in a couple of minutes here. So before we go, uh, thanks to Blue Haven, our sponsor. Check out Blue Haven, uh, BlueHavenNYC.com. Uh, for all the specials, go watch the big game. They're having a big Super Bowl party there. It's going to be really awesome. Huge screen TV. Go see Megan Dearman and Rory at BlueHavenNYC.com for details. Uh, so thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Also, uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, so uh, check us out. Go to iTunes. Download the podcast. Please subscribe. And uh, check out www.rtusports.com as well. Uh, for episodes, you can get the Windows version there if you like. Nice. And um, enjoy the Super Bowl for everybody who's listening live. Now, uh, we will move on with a little overtime. We won't go too far, but a little bit. A little bit overtime. Well, it sounds like it was uh, an extraordinarily interesting day and I uh, or evening. And I just love the fact that everybody cries about not knowing the plan. These guys could not be more transparent and it could not be. And again, it continues like every, these little things keep continuing to confirm my belief that they're trying to build the giants. They're trying to build the giants and they don't, they don't weeks ago. Yeah. They, well, but they don't care about the outfield. I mean, they care. That's not true. They care. They care. That's not true. That's not what I mean. No, well, based on what they said, they definitely care about the outfield. He said they put together a list of outfielders at yes. the beginning of the offseason. Right. Did he say this on the, on the radio too? No, 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 no. I, I, I read this, uh, put, that he, he, he may have misjudged the market a little bit. They put together a list of outfielders, and one by one, he had to keep crossing them off. Right. And at one point, like, he had Upton and Hairston, and he says, like, in a matter of six hours, I had to cross both of them off. Right. And now there's only one left. But I still don't have any problem with them not giving Shane Victorino four years and $40 million. And they brought that up, too. Rico brought that up and said that was a case of Boston probably overextending themselves a little bit. Right. Like, I don't have a problem with them not doing that. I would rather have an outfield of – when have the Mets ever had a good outfield? You know, in 2006, they had, a, uh, they had Carlos Beltran, who was an all-time outfielder for them. Okay, it, their best outfielder ever, you could argue, uh, right next to I don't to think Strawberry. it's an argument. Yeah, I think he was better than Strawberry was. Yep. Um, and that was it. You had Sean Green in right field. Cliff Floyd. You know, you had Cliff Floyd on one leg in left. You know, you guys like, uh, uh, you know, who Andy Chavez was the starting left fielder in game seven of the NLCS. Steve, who was the outfield when they made they made it to the World Series oh, in two thousand? Exactly. I said this to Sarone the other day. Uh, I, you know, I said now we can begin the arguments about which one is worse. Because they made it to the World Series with an outfield of Benny Agbayani, Jay Payton, and Timo Perez. And Timo Perez replaced Derek Bell. <laughs> That's right. So I'm not saying that this outfield is going to be great. Would I like to see them get a legitimate outfielder? Absolutely. But I'm not overpaying for 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 Cody Ross. But would you pay for Michael Bourne? Now, yes. If it doesn't cost now, and and he could not have been more candid. As long as it, it doesn't cost them their first round pick, that's if it. it. If it costs us the 11th pick in the draft, we're not going to do it. No he chance. Went, he said. That is the best pick in the history of baseball that could be given up. Because prior to this year, 
the first 15 were protected. Right. This is the first year. It's the first 10. Right. And they, and, had, 11, and they had the 10th worst record in baseball. And you can't get better than the 11th pick. So, so they would have to be prepared to give up the best pick in the history of the draft. Right. The best compensatory pick in the history of the draft, we have to give it up. Right. He's not going to do it. Not for Michael Bourne. He also said right now the point is moot. So that, that leads you to believe that they're pretty far apart in negotiations. Right. That Bourne is not coming out, which is, which is fine. Fine, it is uh, what know, it is. Okay? But they, they want him, and I, and I know why they want him. You made the great point about you know that their pitch to him. Alderson said their pitch to him was you know in 2004 they were really really bad. They got themselves a center fielder, and in 2006 they were one game away from the World Series. No, yeah, they said things they, things can change quickly. 2004 ended very similar to the way 2012 ended. Right. So. And things can change quickly. Right. I, you know he, he's not Carlos Beltran, but. He's not Carlos Beltran, but he's also not Colin Cowgill. Right. My point is this. They're talking about building the organizational philosophy is pitching. You know, you can also trade that pitching for an outfielder. You could. But yeah. they didn't they didn't want to trade the they didn't want to trade but I'm not talking about trading Wheeler or or Harvey or I'm not talking about trading these frontline guys. I'm talking about the more depth you build up in the organization in terms of pitching, the better your prospects are of trading for an outfielder. Right. I mean, the, the A's have done it for 10 years. You know, th this is something that th th the Giants did it. What do you think they traded for Hunter Pence? What did they trade for Carlos Beltran? Yeah. You know, th this is the, the organizational philosophy being pitching and developing that pitching. That's what they got to do. I like it. If, if if you look at it from a smart perspective, you have to like it. I if do. you look at it from an emotional perspective, you're not going to like it. I get. I that. disagree with that. I think if you look at it from an emotional perspective, you should like it too because yeah. there's a plan in place. Right, but I but I I get the guy that is looking at Kirk Newenheis as my starting center fielder and is frustrated that they didn't do anything to improve the outfield. I get that. I I can understand his frustration or her frustration. But you can't, but can't you to that same person say what would you want it to do? Go give thirty nine million dollars to Shane Victorino? Can you can I mean you can well no you can no you can ask that person what would they have wanted to do? Yeah, and they're going to tell you go sign Josh Hamilton. I mean it's just I don't know. Look, they. It was clearly a salesy type thing because they had a captive well, audience, and it should be. You know, it was a marketing thing, but but you know what? They sold me. I'm ready. I cannot wait for baseball to start. And it's a marketing thing that, you know, fans clamor for and fans uh, cry for, and there's no transparency and there's no, you know, and then you do that. And, you know, even if it's a marketing effort or not, who cares? It's the right thing to do. They're not going to be able to win no matter, until they actually win on the field. That's they, right. They can't win. That's right. All right. They're not going to win until they win. Let's, uh, uh, Peach, uh, you want to do a fun load? Nice, or what? Should we do our annual, our annual Super Bowl traditions? Hey, what are, what are, yeah. Do we celebrity news. That? Oh, okay. This is the best celebrity news I've read. Did not see that You know coming. the actor, uh, Jason London? He was in, uh, Days <laughs> <Yeah. Dazed> and <laughs> Confused. Yeah. He's got a twin, too, yes. right? Jeremy and Jason? Jeremy, yeah. Jambi or London? Who are we talking here? So, <laughs> London, <laughs> London, London. Right. One of the which um, one was on Party of Five? Jeremy, uh, Jason Giambi. 
The Giambi Boys had a Was that a, a special cameo. episode of Yeah. Or, hey, it was in San Francisco, wasn't it? Yeah. There you it go. Was, it was a P it was, it was. a PED episode. Right. And there were no gay characters <laughs> on Party of Five. So Scott Wolf wanted to use steroids. <laughs> Jesus Giambi came and talked to him? He said just say so, no. Jason London got arrested. Well, he, he got beat up by some bouncers, and then he got arrested. So, and then he got away. Talk about insult to injury. It's a bad night. <laughs> so so the, the headline is, Jason London arrested, actor was brutally attacked, says his rep. And then there's a, a you know, typical mugshot picture of him looking pretty beat up. But it's the line under the headline that is awesome. Actor Jason London denies defecating in cop car during arrest. <laughs> I, I didn't do it. I'm telling you right now, I did not poo. <laughs> that was not my dookie. It's got his agent written all over it. Listen, Jason, we got to make you relevant again. Here's what you're going to do. Right. <laughs> poo in a cop car. Get yourself beat up by a couple of bouncers. Right? right, you're gonna get arrested. Wait, I'm gonna what? No, no, no. Hear me out. You're gonna find yourself in the back of a cop car. Why can't in I Arizona. To, I want you to have a bowel movement in the back of that cop Why car. Why can't I, I just do like a Hallmark movie or something? No, no, no. Listen, this is gonna blow up TMZ. You're gonna. Everybody's gonna know Jeremy London now. I don't know if this is a good idea. You're Jason. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Jason. By the way, did you advise Jeremy to do this too? No, he's fine. <laughs> now, he's going to be in a movie with Clooney next week. Right. <laughs> he starts shooting with Angelina Jolie. I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> have I ever steered you wrong? Yes, yes, you have. <laughs> this reminds me of the time you wanted me to masturbate at that mall. It was not, <laughs> not a good idea. One of them was in Mall Rats. I'm not sure which one. Jason. I thought those, that was uh, Jason, too? That's Jeremy. <laughs> I can't. You're so good at this. At least the Giambis, like, you're able to tell them apart. That was Mark Mulder. That was Mark Mulder. <laughs> He's in Mallrats. <laughs> Zito. Wasn't Zito in Mallrats? <laughs> Wait. Wait, Hatterberg pooped in a cop car? <laughs> Jason Lee was in Mallrats. Everybody. Jennifer Jason Lee? Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I Come like on, that give me, Jason Lee. Give me a... Uh, do you really? Yeah. He's got the best lines in uh, Almost Famous. There's another movie I was going to say that I look at differently for some reason. Why? Well, that's what I want to talk about with you. I don't before, know. I think the hold, musical aspect of it. Hold that thought for one second because I have, I have a piece of trivia. Oh, okay. All right. See if, see if you can get this. It's Jason London. Classic rock song that everybody knows. It's not obscure. Classic rock song that stops kind of right in the middle, and they play Chopsticks. And then the song picks up again. Can you, can you name that song? Blinded by the Light? There it is. Very it's good. They play Chopsticks? And right in the middle of the song for no reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Wrapped up like that? a deuce? No one knows. 
<laughs> no one will ever. Well, there's the Springsteen version of that song. Right. Did, Manfred right. Man. Ma- Manfred, Manfred Man did not did not have the lyrics, but still wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a good look inside the heads of Manfred Man. We but, don't know the words, and let's stop it three minutes in, play chopsticks, and resume. <laughs> great job by them. So Springsteen's is the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I, With I, I, way I, uh, more lyrics, predictably. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't know that song was about being down and out in Jersey, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had no. I thought. <laughs> I had no idea it was about uh, teenage angst in Jersey. Is, is that a, a construction worker on the Jersey Turnpike working at night? It's, that's that's uh, the one. It's on um, it's on Asbury Park, I think, that album. I you know what? I never owned a Springsteen album. Ever. I know we've heard. I don't, buy, I don't buy that. You didn't own Born in the USA? I did own Born in the USA, you got yeah, me. I thought so. Darn it. <laughs> darn darn. I uh I, I was going to uh ask you, Peach and Cal, if you guys have thought of movies that you think of differently, as I was talking about earlier. Yeah, no, this is it. This is this is our fun look. This is a Blind. great topic. Well, I just... I the, the reason I threw Almost Famous in there is because I watched it again recently, and I remember the first time I watched it, it being a very Cameron Crowe experience for me, and uh, having liked his canon of films. Sure. Uh, and then the last time I watched it, it changed uh, completely. Now it's just a movie, and it's okay, but I don't have the glorification that I initially associated with it because I liked Cameron Crowe so much. It's like I don't... That's. I find that with all Cameron Crowe movies, that the second time through, they're just okay. Except saying anything. Well, here's here's an interesting question. The first time you watched it would have been 2000, right? 13 years ago. I think when it came, yeah, when it came out, I saw it in the theater. 2000, 2001. So, sure. 12, 13 years ago, you were still heavily involved in music. That's true. Also true. Does that does that change your perspective on the film now? 12 years later. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it was never the musical aspect of it. It was the Cameron Crowe aspect of it. You know, my like my glorification of Cameron Crowe is gone. But Jason Lee has all... Jason Lee steals that movie. He's terrific. He steals <laughs> Your looks are becoming a problem, Cal. We're going to have that conversation eventually. <laughs> when we get the T-shirts, the RTU T-shirts made... Right. And, like, you're in the foreground, and, like, I'm all the way in the background, and we have our backs to the camera, me and Peach. <laughs> We'd be like, it's okay, I'm only the lead singer. It's going to be, yeah, uh, by design. <laughs> I'll say it. Your looks are becoming a problem. I think my fantasy team next year is going to be the Jeff Beebe band. Nice. Um, no, but it, it, there's got to be, there's got to be, uh, a, <laughs> there's got to be a couple of movies that really have changed Dramatically, I oh, I got like, one. go ahead. Breakfast Club. I watched Breakfast Club, and as a as a parent, and, and started to see Mr. Vernon's point of view. Oh boy! Oddly, <laughs> <laughs> you know he he does that long monologue yep. where he scares the heck out of uh, Judd Nelson. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I understood his motivation. For the first wow. time ever. Wow, that's a great call. 
That is a great call because I, I can totally see that. I could totally see watching that movie again and being like, you know what, Mr. Vernon? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, dude. And there's a lot of lot of John Hughes movies now where I start to understand the parents, realize how well the parents are written. Right. Um, I can watch Home Alone and, uh, you know, for Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> right. I'm not even watching it for hijinks. I'm looking at the mom and going, oh, man, she's great, you know? <laughs> You're not watching for hijinks? <laughs> not, no, that's the Macaulay hijinks. Polka, polka, polka. Polka jamboree. And, of course, candy. I miss, I miss John Candy. My perspective candy. on candy hasn't changed. Nope, I miss John Candy. I'll tell you one that had changed for me uh, throughout the years, speaking of candy, was planes, trains, and automobiles. Because mm-hmm. I have traveled and had all those. Like had those situations like stranded, car breaks down, this guy the plane trying to get home. Like I've actually lived that a number of times, having lived in a bunch of different places in the country. And so I, I always love that movie and then it has like a special you know, I'm always traveling during the holidays or whatever, whether we're going to Texas or we're going here. It has like a, a special uh it's it's reached a status that's uh legend for me because it's just it's just so true. And then to come home to the family. I haven't been home in years. <laughs> um, Cal, you got you got to have one. PJ kind of stole my thunder a little bit with the Breakfast Club because I was going to see Sixteen Candles because mm-hmm. when I first watched Sixteen Candles, I did not have two daughters. Right. <laughs> you didn't. At least I didn't. No, no, I did no. not. No, no. Uh, now I do, and I watched that movie, and. I'm thankful that it's not 1984, because that was some wicked times back then for 16-year-old girls. Mm. But it's also, you know, it's also 2013, and these kids are growing up fast. So your your reckoning is coming. Oof, it's I think it's I think it's upon me. How about that guy never worked again? Which one? The 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 guy in 16 Candles. That wasn't Matt Dillon. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the other guy. You never saw him again. He's a classic. What's it? What was this? First of all, he was like thirty-six playing seventeen. I don't. But I never. I don't remember ever seeing that guy again. I think I even had this conversation eventually uh, with that, Teresa. Was that Jake Ryan? Jake Ryan. That's right. Played by he Michael had to have been other things. I'm sure he was in other things. He was. He was in Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, Vision Quest, and Mermaids. Yeah. He has no credits after 91. That's extraordinarily prolific. Except not at all. What's his real name? Michael Schofling. Oof. Born in 1960. Good call. Yeah, so he was in 80. He was like 24, right? He was 24, right. 23, 24, playing 17. Was he playing seven? Yeah, I guess he was playing a... a Devastatingly high handsome. He was playing he, a senior, right? He did have yeah. that look. He did have that look. Was that Matt Dillon? <laughs> you just want to put Matt Dillon in everything. I thought it was Matt Dillon. You love that Matt Dillon. What's not to love about Matt Dillon? Now, Kevin Dillon, a whole different story. Oh. He was like He's, he was like the thinking man's Matt Dillon. He's he's Jeremy Giambi in this equation. He's Frank Stallone. He is Frank Stallone. 
Your All girlfriend's right, boys. disgusting. Let's, 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 let's go. I don't think that was it. It's disgusting. Oh, all right, let's wrap it up here. You Where really brought it tonight, Frank. That was a good turn. <laughs> PJ, final unload. The disc of the week, or the download of the week, depending on yes. how you do it. Uh, a Japanese guy by the name of Tomita, T-O-M-I-T-A, did a synthesizer version of Pulse the Planets, the long classical piece, all done on synthesizer. It's mind-blowing and amazing. It's called Tomita's The Planet. Go get it. No, good. I'm glad you didn't do anything obscure. Cal, final one. I think, I think they're all gone now. Um, after seven years, we say goodbye to the rock tonight. Thank you so much. <laughs> Season finale, series finale of 30 Rock. Great show over the last seven years. Um, one of the more underrated shows, I think, of the last 15 to 20 years. And it's, it's a shame to see it go. We're going to miss it. Absolutely. And uh, my rank final... underrated thing? Sure can. Not now. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> and my final unload is this. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. I think... Uh, I will, uh, but I I beg the sport that I love watching to fix this. Fix this. Start to fix this. Start to fix the fact that it's uncomfortable to watch football games uh, because of the injuries that these players are are suffering. Fix this. I beg you. Fix this. And lastly, Cal, Islanders 5, Devils 4. Uh do you mean first place Islanders? That's correct. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks, Peach. Thanks, Cal. Thank you. Your girlfriend's a cow. Did you say your girlfriend's a cat? A cow. <laughs> Stallone, terrible. She's a cat. That's the worst improv ever. Good night. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.